an ABC News poll in 2017 asked this question. It was basically an open-ended question. What, if anything, is your religion? And while there was specific church breakdowns and all of this, there was a general breakdown as well, a general breakdown on the percentage that said they were Christians. And I'm not going to ask you to shout it out, but just want you to think, what would be your guess on the percentage that said they were Christians? Would you guess 83%? 83% of, uh, of those polled here in America would say that identify themselves as Christians. Now, how many of us think that's a bit high? Uh, I think I, I see those hands. Uh, yeah, so there's a little bit high on the percentage of those who call themselves Christians, especially in light of words like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, enter through the narrow gate, wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There is a wide and there is narrow. There is a wide where many go. There is a narrow where only a few. And I don't know about you, but 83% seems like that might be a little wide. So how do they know? I mean, is it they're a Christian because they call themselves Christians, or is there some other way of knowing that how do you know you're on the right way not the narrow, you're on the narrow and not the wide road how do we know i mean let's face it there are things uh, so many people so many voices are calling us to walk this way walk uh, this way uh, that the world's way so to speak to walk the world's way which if some of you at this point in time are probably thinking of some old secular song and I'm, I'm not going to mention it because if you really know the song, you can't get much worldly than that. You can't get much farther off than that. That is this way. Go this way. And maybe it's not the voice of the world saying that. Maybe it's the voice inside our flesh that is saying, walk this way. I want to walk this way. I, I, I want to go that way. And there's even those voices that are religious voices Religious voices trying to get us to walk this moral way. Here's the moral way, but it's this way. But ultimately, the only thing that matters for us, if we're going to be on the right road, is that we walk His way. Not this way, but walk His way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and this is what we're going to read this morning. In fact, let's just start with... Uh, chapter 2 in 1 John. I encourage you to turn there. We'll be looking at a number of scriptures even within 1 John. In chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Whoever claims to live in, whoever claims to be in or with Christ must walk. And that must is a command. Must. It's not an optional thing. It is a non-negotiable obligation. Whoever claims to be a Christian must walk as Jesus walked. To walk His way. There are those who would say, oh, I, I am walking Jesus' way. I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I would be part of that 83% and, and, and I am walking it. That's what I think. I'm walking this way. But you know what? There were many who thought in Jesus' day that they were, yeah, I'm one of yours, Jesus. And Jesus spoke to them and he speaks to us today out of Matthew chapter 7. In verse 21, 
where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, it mean really emphasizing it, not just calls me Lord, but Lord, Lord, like you really are my Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There are those who are part of that 83% that are unfortunately going to hear that. So how can we know? How can we know that we are on the way? He says here, in a sense, it comes from, and Jesus even says in Matthew 7, 21, by those who are doing the will of my Father. Okay, but what is the will of my Father? The will of your Father, as we read in 1 John chapter 2, is, in verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. What does that mean? We're going to look at three different ways that we can help define that. Three different ways that we can know that we are a part of this. In a sense, uh, three different areas to refine and define what it means to follow Jesus. First and foremost, we need to follow Jesus beyond belief. We need to follow Jesus beyond belief. There are those... Who believe with their head. They agree with the facts about Jesus. They they believe the facts are true. There is no question, unquestionable truth of what God's word says about who Jesus is. They believe those facts. But understand this. James tells us that even the demons believe and shudder. They believe all the facts. But you know what? The demons are not walking his way. There's a difference. What we need is something beyond belief. To just know him is not to know about him is not to know him in a real and personal way. We've got to go beyond the belief of the facts in our head. In a sense, that's part of what the Apostle John here is addressing as he talks to the those who he's writing to. He's also at a time when he's dealing with what uh, some would call the Gnostics. Some of you may have heard of it. They held high knowledge as the ultimate goal. Uh, they did not, in a sense, therefore value any kind of practical part of spirituality, any kind of practical obedience. And so he starts out by saying here in verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And when he says, we know that we've come to know him. He starts out, we know that we've come to know him. This word know is not a word for some heady knowledge. It's not a word that's used about heady knowledge. There are words about that like that in the Bible for knowing, but this is not that. It's a word that has to do with a know by experience. You know by experience. Not, and I'm not talking about an emotional experience, but rather literally an experience in your life that you are going through that you know with all that you are, without any doubt, that I know Jesus. How? Why? Don't make up something. Go right to what it says. We know, we have experienced, we know without any shadow of doubt that we have come to, without any doubt, know and have experienced knowing Jesus, knowing Him, if... We obey His commands. It's interesting in that word for commands, it's not something He's using for the Mosaic Law. And going back there, because John, not only in the Gospel, but in 1 John, uses a completely different word for the Mosaic Law. He's talking about the commands of Jesus. He's talking about walking His way and what's going on. Not merely some belief in our head, not merely some feeling in our heart, but an actual doing. 
Not just out of duty, but out of devotion. Walking His way. Some would say, well, I've done that. I've gone believing just the facts. Because, and and I, I haven't rejected Jesus. Instead, I have accepted Jesus. Isn't that the word we're supposed to use? You know? I've accepted Jesus. It's not just believing facts. There's a faith. I believe in my heart. But 1 John is telling us here that it needs to be more than that. We are not walking His way just because we made some one-time decision, one-time belief and said a one-time prayer. The way some people are, it's the, the decision. I've decided. I've decided to, to, to do this. I, I've decided. I made a decision, not just with my head, but with my whole heart. I made a decision that I want to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. Oh, good decision. I decided uh, that uh, I should be forgiven. I decided to let Jesus be my Savior. Gee, isn't that sweet? Right? Kind of, I'll let Jesus, I mean, that's really the way some people talk, is I'll let Jesus be my Savior. I've just made the decision. You're doing him a favor. We've got to go beyond belief about some heart decision that we've made. It's not just our head and not just our heart. We need to decide to be a disciple, which means we will walk His way, not just with our head, not just with our heart, but with our very being and who we are. To follow Jesus is to follow Jesus' words. Verse 3, we know that we have come to know Him if not we've made a decision, not and I'm not saying that we don't make these decisions. I'm saying the whole point of this is, is go beyond that. If you're really of Christ, you've got to go beyond just a belief in your head, beyond just a belief in your heart. There needs to be a sense beyond some decision to be a disciple that does what God says to do. I'm not saying it. He says it right here. We know that we are in Christ if we obey His commands. Faith involves more than just believing with our head and with our heart. Faith involves the hands and the feet, so to speak, proving that belief, stepping out and obeying. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46 and 47, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Here's again, he's saying that that phrase. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I say. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice and he gives the parable of the house on the sand the house on the rock. So what's important here? It's not something that we usually emphasize. We talk about all those other things of coming and knowing Christ, accepting Christ and all these things. And he says, why do you call me Lord? Lord, you say you're with me. You say you're in Christ. You say you're mine. And yet you do not do what I say. To walk, if, if, and think about it, we're saying to, verse 6, to walk His way, to walk the way Jesus did. I don't know about you, but I think there's an implication here. To walk implies you've got to move. Are you with me? To walk implies... Not just sitting there in your decision you made 20 years ago. To walk is something you do. A faith that follows Jesus. Not just talks about what I believe, but does what you believe. 
We cannot say that we're growing to be more like Christ if we're not going anywhere with Christ. To walk where His words have told us to follow. We need to follow Jesus beyond belief, but also we need to follow Jesus beyond that love and feeling. You know, verse 3, as I started that, we, we were just talking about it. We know that we've come to know Him. Here's, here's a great thing about that. It's, it validates, first and foremost, what we and, and evangelical churches and churches like ours have said, that it's not just about knowing about God, it is about knowing God. It's not just about religion, it's about a personal relationship with Him. I mean, we say that all the time, and somebody says, well, I don't know, yeah, yeah, especially those in religion can kind of disagree, but he's saying, here's, here's what we should be. We know that we have come to know Him, and not know about Him, but to personally, experientially know Jesus. That's what that word is. And so there is a sense that that, that is part of this whole thing that we're talking about. Yet some of that 83% would say, I, I I want that. I'm I want to be a Christian. I, I'm a Christian because because what I want is Jesus to give me peace and joy. I, I want to be a Christian because I want to be able to walk Jesus' way of providing for me and protecting me. I want to walk with Jesus. No, not really. That's not really what they're usually saying. It's usually what people are meaning in that is, really, I want Jesus to walk with me. You get that? I want Jesus to walk with me. And I want him to protect me. I want him to provide for me. I want Jesus to kind of go along with me, give me peace and joy. Right? But we don't, you know, and we want Jesus to walk with us 24-7. Even when we're asleep, we're kind of expecting he's going to be there. But we don't want to walk with him 24-7. To walk in his ways. We, we've got to go beyond this love and feeling. I just want to know Jesus is there. I just want to just have that love and feeling of God and, and all the goodness that comes with it. It's more than that. We like to talk about it not being that religion, this real relationship. And yes, there are a lot of people who would say that they have that. That they have that relationship, but how do we know that you have that relationship? How do you know you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? And what you hear some people say, well, I just know it. I could just feel him in my heart. Or, or I know it's not really my heart only. I mean, I can feel him in my life. I just know. I just know that I got Jesus. I just, you, you just want to say, I got this love and feeling. I know. That's what, they, that's what I got. And, and I'm not denying that, but we've got to go beyond that to recognize what it's saying here in First John in chapter 3. It said, we know we've come to know him in chapter 2, verse 3. If we obey his commands, the man who says, I know him. Oh, I just know, I know Jesus. I know that I know him. I know that I'm a Christian. Oh, I know him. But does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Woo! He doesn't mince words there, does he? He doesn't hold back. See, you can talk about how you just know him, how you got that love and feeling with Jesus, but... If you do not do what he commands, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. We've only come to truly know Jesus if we are truly following what he has told us to do. We're not just to walk the talk that's coming out of our mouth about Jesus. Not just to walk the talk that we're saying. We are to walk his talk. All of his talk. Being a Christian is not just about knowing the words, but doing them. John here, he lets us know. Despite your feelings, 
It doesn't mean anything if there's no doings. Matthew 7, verse 16 says, You shall know them by their fruit. So we go to verse 6 again and think about what he's saying. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live, that word in different versions will say different things. Whoever claims to abide in him. Whoever claims to dwell in Christ. That's what he talks about in John chapter 15. Jesus says to abide, to remain in me. And we talk about it, what it means to abide, what it means to dwell and live. And we we think about that. And and so many times when we're talking about this dwelling, this living, this abiding in Christ, it's kind of got this this kind of spiritual, otherworldly kind of experience and feel. It's just kind of... I abide, I live with Jesus and he's kind of with me and I'm with him and, and we're kind of all together and, and it just, I, I'm just with him. I just know that I, that's such, we've relegated it to just feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Trying to forget my feelings. Right? It's just, I mean, sometimes, and again, I'm not trying to speak against feelings. What I'm saying is we've got to go beyond. We've got to go beyond that. He's making it very clear it's more than whoa, feelings. It's more than that. Whoever claims to abide, to live, and just know that you're with Jesus will walk as Jesus walked. What abiding in Christ means has practical applications. The problem is that many would just like to keep this whole knowing Jesus thing in our heart. I know Jesus in my heart. I have these warm fuzzies about Jesus and me. But this love for Jesus needs to move to our hands, to action, to doing, to living out the truth. And we we don't take it seriously. If we're not following his words and his commands, and there is no way that you can know, therefore, what he's saying, you do not, you should not, don't think you can know Jesus and say you know Jesus if you're not doing what he's saying. And we think our definition, but no, no, I, I love him. And we think that definition is of loving Jesus enough. But I, I really love Jesus. The problem is to Jesus, that's not real love. Whoa. Sounds kind of harsh. No, Jesus said, John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you obey what I command. And so often it's, I love you. And he's saying, no, you don't. Wait, what you're doing? Where you're living? You, I, you know what I've said that you need to be doing, what you need to not be doing, and you just keep doing it. You don't love me. If you're committed to Christ, you are committed to His commands. There is no in between. So, first in verse five here in First John. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. To truly love. For that love to be made perfect, to made complete, made mature. To have the kind of love that we're saying that we have with Jesus. What, how is that going to happen? If we obey his word, then God's love. It's made complete in us. In fact, this whole concept is something that's talked about later in 1 John. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. In 1 John, that hopefully you've got your Bibles open to. This, in 1 John 5, verse 3. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. This is love for God. To obey his commands. A love that goes beyond some loving feeling and some warm fuzzy that I want to feel with Jesus. It's a love that goes beyond that. That's what he's been talking about the whole time. It's a love that is action. 
a love that is doing. In fact, 1 John chapter 3, go to 1 John chapter 3 right there. You're, you're in that book. Look at 1 John 3.16. Think about John 3.16. How about 1 John 3.16? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions or sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongues, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. To love in word and deed. Please understand, walking in his ways, obeying his commands, is not some mindless duty that we don't involve our heart in at all. It's just not this following, walking his way, doing what he commands, is not just performing it like some robot. But rather it is doing this passionately, all in, all out, walking His way and whatever it takes. We follow Jesus beyond that loving feeling. Next, we need to follow Jesus beyond the buffet-style believers. I even thought about this concept before. We are in 1 John 2, what we're talking about here is to keep His commands, to obey His words. But so many that would say that they are Christians and call themselves Christians feel like they can kind of pick and choose what they want to do in this. Pick and choose in the Bible what is right, what is not right. Or not maybe, well, it's right, it's just what I'm going to do and not going to do. I can kind of pick and choose what kind of Christianity I want. Which commands, which words of Jesus, what I want to follow, which ones I don't want to follow. It's a buffet-style believer kind of thing that really isn't a believer. We're walking our way. We're not walking His way. Some of them may be good things, but that doesn't mean anything because we're just doing it buffet-style. Not just want to... And for some, it's like, I just want to keep living that same old sinful life I was living before I came to know Christ. But say I'm a Christian and do the thing on Sunday. Or for others, uh, others they, they get involved in a good churchianity. You know, just because people go to church doesn't mean they are Christians. Just because people go to church doesn't mean that they are following and walking his way. In fact, even those who are very serious and sincere churchgoers have been sold out to a churchianity that says picks and chooses which words of Jesus we're going to follow and which ones we're not going to follow or we shouldn't have to follow. We'll talk about that in a moment, but there are those that would call themselves Christians that are making their own way. What works for them? To kind of choose to believe. What I want to believe, I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to follow this, and I'm going to follow that. And then they call that Christianity. But many have said that shouldn't be called Christianity. That, that should be called something else. That should be called Johnnyanity or, or Keithianity or uh, Carolanity or uh, Josianity. Actually, I think it should be called insanity. Right? It, it, why call it Christianity when you n- just kind of pick and choose but based on what you want? That's not Christianity. You can't just say, I want this part, I want this part, I'm going to do this. So, yeah, that's good, but not this, not this, not this. You're do. That's not Christianity. That's just your own religion. You've taken bits and pieces of other things and your own thoughts and what's going on. Don't call it Christianity. Don't call yourself a Christian. They go through the buffet line, take up religious practices. Some say, oh, I, I go that, I, I got this ritual. It helps me to feel spiritual if I do this. And then we can check it off as a list of activities that's done for the week. And some of the things we pick and choose to do that really seem spiritual. These are the things that seem really spiritual. And so therefore we feel like we are spiritual. And we feel like we must be 
Christians. It's kind of like as you go through the buffet line taking a few carrots on your plate so you can say that you had your vegetables. Right? I, I, I have my vegetables. Which means the other two meals today, I can eat whatever I want even if it's bad for me because I just had a meal with vegetables. And it counts for all three meals because I had three baby carrots. I just want you to know, right? I had three baby carrots, so I should be able to do that. I should be able to just do whatever I want, even eat bad stuff, and I can just do. And do you understand what I'm getting at? As I think about in our, our life, we say we're Christians, we do this religious, like let's say we show up to a church service. And then we can just do whatever we want because we had our vegetable Sunday morning. And then we can eat whatever and do whatever we want throughout the rest of the week, just pick and choose buffet style. There's some that don't want to have to take anything. They actually have to chew on off of the, the menu, so to speak. Not anything they actually have to think and do. Instead, you know what? I don't have to figure all this out. I'm just going to be a good moral person. Not necessarily pointing to anything particular, any part of the Bible. Instead, just a kind of a general chow uh, kind of Christianity. Ultimately, figuring out that the good that they're doing puts him in good with God. So I must be a Christian. I must know him in all the things. But the good God says to be doing is all of it. We have come to know him if we obey his commands, period. All his commands. If we obey his commands. But other people who call themselves Christians would, would say what makes them different. Listen, I, I'm not like those people that you just talked about, Pastor. They're different. I, I'm not some good moral person. I actually try to live by the Bible. I don't know if you've had anybody like that. I've had people come and say, I really do try to live by the Bible. Oh, really? Well, let's talk about that. And as you talk about it, it's really not the whole Bible. It's kind of the Ten Commandments. It's really not the whole Ten Commandments, but just kind of. Actually, it's really not the Ten Commandments. It's really more like the Ten Suggestions. But you know what I mean. I'm living by the Bible. Really? It doesn't take long to list a few things here and there and talk about to find out they're not really living by the Bible, but they're living by some one-page cliff notes that watered-down buffet version of Christianity. There are certain things we just don't want to do, certain ways we don't want to go. I'm not going to give that up. This is my time. This is my money. I'm not going to forgive that person. And I just don't get this whole thing. He's talking about who does he think he is expecting me to live a certain way? He thinks he's God. And he is. Creator. Who? brought you into this world and can take you out of this world. But he's also the Savior who came into this world and died in your place so that you can leave this world and be with him. There is this parallel road that uh, a lot of people end up taking. Something they, they just walk this way that is looks like Christianity, kind of. It's an alternate path without having to take all the little twists and turns, without having to go over some of the, the more bumpy parts of the, the road, without having to uh, just deal with certain things. It's a shortcut. And we can kind of see the main road, but we're running right alongside the road and along, and we think it's okay. There, this kind of buffet that happens even within churches that makes this good list of do's and don'ts. You see it? You see this? I've seen it. There's a list of do's and don'ts of what makes a good Christian. You better not do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And if you do, you get the evil eye because you're breaking the rules of what a good Christian is supposed to look like. But then they turn a blind eye to the acceptable sins. Well, you can't expect people to act like that, Pastor. You can't expect them to, to actually live that way. 
me just give you an example. And I'm going to give an example that's, that's in many ways a buffet style. It's appropriate for today and what we're talking about. An example that's not on some big hot topic debate or something that's going to uh, cause a lot of uh, uh, feeling like we're crushed or want to argue with. It's just something fairly simple, easy, straightforward. Baptism. Going to have the baptism today. Baptism. Many give a similar argument as they would for baptism for other things as it deals with God's word and what he says. But here's the, here's the reasoning excuse. I'm not going to get baptized because I don't have to be baptized to be a Christian. Meaning, I don't have to be baptized to get to heaven. But those kind of counter-arguments should just go on and on about almost anything and everything in the whole Bible. You could argue, you know what? I don't have to stop robbing convenience stores to go to heaven. You could just argue whatever. That's not because, after all, listen, I've been to church. I know, after all, it's not about what I do or what I don't do. It's about what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And I prayed and I asked him to forgive me. So I'm good, even when I'm not good. I don't have to do any of what is written in the Bible because none of that gets me to heaven. But we misunderstand. We misunderstand the difference in what is needed to become a Christian and what is needed to be a Christian and what it means to be a Christian. We've missed the whole point of Christianity. The whole point of Christianity is not about getting our ticket punched so we can get to heaven and we don't have to go to hell. The point of Christianity is restoring a living, real relationship with the creator of the universe who loves us and wants us to love him. It's not about whether we're going to heaven or hell. That's not what Christianity is about. That's a bonus. It's about restoring a relationship with God. And so therefore, it's not about picking and choosing. What's the least I can do and still go to heaven? And yet that's what many in churches do. Is what's the least I can do to get away with and still get to heaven and walk his way? And what we're reading here in 1 John is there is no least you can do. We know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. If anyone obeys his word, then God's love is with him. This is how we know we're in him and we live in him because we walk his way. So we could reverse this, uh, the whole thinking, uh, questioning, can I be a Christian without being baptized? Not do I have to be baptized to be a Christian, but can I be a Christian without being baptized? And I would submit as we look at 1 John chapter 2 here, he says we are to walk his way. We are to obey his commands. And Jesus has spoken pretty clearly about his commands, even in what we here in the Alliance talk about the Great Commission. Everybody talks about Great Commission, but I mean this whole part of the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Sometimes we don't put that part out. We got the going, we got, you know, going to people, but it says teaching them to obey, not teaching them everything about, not giving them information, but giving them transformation in the sense that they would obey everything that he has commanded, which is the same thing that agrees right here with First John that we've been reading. It's about obeying everything that he's commanded. Well, one of the things he's commanded is that we would be baptizing and that doesn't mean that, well, I don't have to be baptized. I'm just supposed to baptize somebody else. Well, you start with this because somebody had to do it towards you and there should be baptizing. A baptizing in the very beginning and then teaching everything is commanded. Baptizing is one of those commands. We should be able to... Uh, no, I mean, Jesus, let's take one of the places. Mark 16, 16. Um, to baptize... Uh, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, if we just read part of this verse, 
The first part, you'd think, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. And we've already said that's not what it's about. Because the second part says, if you do not believe, you're condemned. So it's not just about this, but Jesus obviously puts an emphasis. Why even confuse it? Why even put that in there if baptism really doesn't really matter? Why even mention it? But he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Baptism is something that's important, not for salvation, but it's important to Jesus enough that he had something to say about it. In fact, as the church began in Acts chapter 2 and everything was happening with what was going on and the Holy Spirit coming down and then all these people gathering around finding out what's going on, what are you guys doing? Peter gets up and gives the first Christian sermon ever, the very first message. And he tells them about Jesus and he tells them all about Jesus and what he has done for them. And then they say, okay, what must we do then? What must we do to be saved? And he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus, every one of you, and be filled with the Spirit. So if it's really not that important... If it's not something that should even be, should we just erase it? It was so important that the very first sermon, the very first thing says, repent and be baptized. We're not saying you have to do that to be saved. But we're saying out of obedience to walk his way, he says, be baptized. The simplest points about baptism is God said it, that settles it. God said it, that's simple. It's simple obedience to follow his way in every way. Out of a deep love. And here's the thing. We understand in all these things. There's something perhaps God doesn't have to put in your heart and your mind. You already have it. But perhaps there is something that you know that you've kind of just ignored or just kind of said, well, most of my life's pretty good. I got read it. I'll just kind of keep this over the side. I don't have to worry about this. I'll keep this in the closet. Nobody will know. I'll get to it. But delayed obedience is disobedience. Anybody who has kids knows that. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Putting it off for what reason? If we are in Him, we will walk His way. We will obey His commands. Not whenever, not whatever we think, not whenever we want. That's doing the buffet style, picking it up when we want to walk in his way. And let me just say this. If you've not been baptized as a believer, I encourage you to do that. Not because I'm concerned about your salvation, but because I'm concerned of why you would not just want to do what Jesus asked you to do. Now, I recognize today can be a little quick. For us to try to get that together. So in two weeks, in July 8th, uh, we're going to have our next summer fellowship out at River Rock. Uh, Nancy Cubbins on the river. And we've been there before. Uh, many of you have been there before. Uh, we'll give that opportunity if others want to be baptized. To see me. To talk to me. And we'll, uh, there's some things we need to talk about. And even to be able to have others that would be baptized on that day if you have not been. Uh, we are to walk His way in every way. The word, verse 3 says, to keep. In verse 3 know if we keep his commands obey keep this is not simply to hold them but to keep keeping his commands this word that's used here is not something well i did it already so i did that once no it's continually making it a habit carefully guarding observing doing what we need to do knowing to be in jesus christ is doing whatever he says all the time at all times moment by moment walking with him in what he wants, following his every step, staying on the path, not turning to the left or turning to the right. And the problem is that, that we, we don't. We have a choice. And so oftentimes, we just kind of, we know where God's way is, but we just go ahead and go my way for just a little bit. I'll get back on the road eventually. That's not, if we know him, then we stay on the road. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did, not just make a choice to go your way for a little bit and not. We cannot say that we're following words of Jesus if we're not living in the way of Jesus. I mean, even as you think about it, I just mentioned baptism. Jesus got baptized. 
did he need to do that to get to heaven? Obviously not, right? Jesus was baptized, not because he needed to get to heaven. He said even to John, says, because this is what's right. This is what needs to be done. Sometimes, as 83% call themselves Christians, we just try to have the best of both worlds. I want to do this, don't want to do this. Uh, working with, and, and, and I'll sacrifice here, but not there. And, and uh, we just make these choices instead of just making one choice, one decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. There's not a whole bunch of choices, a whole bunch of decisions. It's one choice. I choose to follow Jesus. We got to need to recognize that that choice to follow Jesus, he says in Luke chapter 9 and other places, is if anyone wants to come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. This is not easy. Well, what is saying here? That's not about, and Christianity is not about easy street. It's about denying ourselves and dying to ourselves. And some think, well, you know, I, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and take a detour, and and everything will be fine, and keep on sinning. 1 John chapter 3, we're in. God addresses this, this whole detouring where you're on a permanent detour. Uh, and sometimes we haven't read this and it kind of hits us hard. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not the child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Detours are dangerous. We need to stay on the designated path. But here's the thing. In God's kingdom, U-turns are allowed. Always. Only. We get off the path and we do. We will. We get off the path. That's where we go to... 1 John here, chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. If you made a detour, at time is to make that decision. Say, I'm going to follow his way now. I'm going to come back on the road. I'm going to do a U-turn and repent and come to him 180 degrees. I know I've been going the wrong direction, but I'm going to come back. I know we've been dealing with a a series of being set free, and and you wonder, this is a little different. This was not my plan, the message I thought would be one way. And then I thought, oh, what we'll do, God wants me to do a baptism message. And God wants to, he just kept saying no, 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 no to me and say, this is it. So if you're here today and, and, and this is really you, it's hitting you in some way, I... God wants to grab a hold of you because he made me change this numerous times throughout the week and actually the last few weeks just to get to this. He's trying to break through. He wants you to do that U-turn, to come. And not just the U-turn that's one time, but to stay on the path. I, I recognize it's hard to say, how do we do this? I, I, I couldn't keep, my, keep his commands before I became a Christian. How am I supposed to do it now? Well, the difference is you are different. 
And I know there are some Christians that are frustrated and feel like they're failing in the journey of a Christian trying to walk his ways. But the problem is you haven't recognized that you are different. You are a new creation. You have been given, Ezekiel 36 talks about, a new heart. And he says he's also given us a new spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God living inside of us that can help us, not only to tell us, okay, well, you shouldn't go this way, you go this way. Somebody to give us the power to say no, the power to say yes. They'd know the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit and so many have just missed it because we're trying in our own effort to do this and you can't. We need to surrender our self-effort and surrender to him and say, I will follow. I ask the worship team to come. It may be that you made a decision to, for Jesus years ago to be your savior. But you haven't gone beyond much of that. Or you did at one time and you've kind of made a detour. It's been a long detour. You haven't really been following him. Whether it's for the first time or it's for another time. To make that decision today as we sing this song, to follow Jesus, to follow his way. Father, help us as we close out the service with this prayer of this song, that we would make that decision to be a disciple. We would make that choice to follow you in all your ways, Jesus. Beyond belief, beyond just feelings, beyond us picking and choosing to everything that you want for us. Holy Spirit, help to sink this in deep. And we thank you. As we sing this song, I just want to encourage you here today, need to deal with between you and the Lord that you can come, come to the front, kneel at the front. Maybe just even as you sing this, as part of that prayer, and your surrender that you would just stand up as you're singing it apart as we start to sing this. Not because everybody else is, but because you're saying to Jesus, not just with my words, but with my actions, I'm going to stand up as I sing this and say, I have decided to follow you.